Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Braille Institute Child Development Lecture. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshta, and this evening we're going to talk about the importance of developing confidence in your child. Now, this is really a very, very interesting topic, and I was really trying to think of what are some of the things that really help students and children to do better in school, in sports, in life, and in other types of things that they want to attempt. And one of the things that really has come to my attention is that there are certain children who have a lot of confidence. As a matter of fact, this last week, I was uh, invited to a relative's home, and I met uh, my cousin's grandson. And I've never met this boy before, and he's three years old. And like a lot of kids, when he first met me, he was kind of puzzled. He didn't know what was going on with me. He didn't know why I had a cane. He was wondering if this turns into a sword. And he kept staring at me, and then he sat down right next to me, and he started waving his hands in front of my face. And he asked me, he said, Hey, are you really blind? I heard that you're blind. And I said, Yeah, I'm really blind. I said, Do you know anybody who is blind? And he says, I know you, Bill. You're blind? I said, Well, what do you think blind means? He says, well, blind means that you cannot see anything. It's just like if your eyes are closed shut. And I said, yeah, that is exactly what it looks like to me. It looks as though I just have my eyes closed shut. So I don't know what you look like. But I have an idea of what you look like. Just because of the way your voice is. And when I came in, and we shook hands, and then I put my hand around your back and patted you on the back, and I felt the top of your head. So I know how tall you are. I know that you're very, very good shape. You're not too fat or anything like that. And he says, but there's something you really don't know about me. And I said, what don't I know? What would you want me to know? He says, I'm going to be Michael Jackson. <laughs> and I said, what? You're going to be Michael Jackson? He goes, oh, Dr. Bill, I love Michael Jackson. And when I heard you were coming over today, I wore my special Michael Jackson suit. I go, oh, I have to feel this. He goes, fill my shoes. These are my moonwalking shoes. And he had these really fancy, shiny shoes, and he had the tuxedo pants and like a tuxedo top. I said, okay, you really are like Michael Jackson. Let me hear you sing like Michael. And do you know how to dance like him? He goes, I sure do. And it was just like nothing. You know, it was just his confidence that he had. So he turns on the Michael Jackson and he starts singing like him, and he starts dancing, 
And I asked my wife, can he really dance? And my wife says, you wouldn't believe it, Bill. He could really dance. And it was Billy Jean, and it came to the part where uh, he's supposed to moonwalk. Hey, Dr. Bill, I'm moonwalking for you now. I'm moonwalking. Um, And my wife, June, says, oh, my God, he really is. He is so good. And after, you know, he comes on over, he goes, how did you like it? And I go, oh, that was awesome. That was so awesome. You're going to be able to perform at school or at an an auditorium or a theater. You could do anything you want. He goes, oh, I think so. He says, I really like singing and dancing like Michael Jackson, you know. And I then was asking his mother, I said, how did he become this outgoing with it? She said, well, he always liked Michael Jackson. And even when he was real little, you know, he's about a year old, he would kind of dance around the way that he knew how to dance. And as time went on, he kept dancing, and he would dance in front of people, and we would ask him to sing, and he started singing. And before you know it, he was out there in the front yard and out on the street, and he was really advertising the fact that he really liked Michael Jackson. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, this young boy, because of his confidence, his willingness to sing, his willingness to dance, his willingness to perform in front of people, is really going to make a difference in his life. And it's going to allow him to benefit from so many opportunities in life. And... I started thinking about myself. You know, when I was younger, I grew up in the time that there was a show, a movie called Saturday Night Fever, and it had John Travolta and all this disco, and everybody, all the young people were going disco dancing and buying those tight angel flights pants and all these things. And I had friends, and they'd say, hey, we're going to go... We're going to go to the club. Let's go dancing. And I said, oh, no, man, I I can't go. They go, come on, no, let's go. I said, no, guys, I don't know how to dance like that. I don't have no clothes like that. God, there's not going to be any girl who's going to dance with me. No way. And so I never went. Finally, one time they just grabbed me. And they just pulled me with them, and I went to the Dillon's discotheque with them. I was so uncomfortable in there. I looked at these people, and they were all doing those kind of John Travolta things with the hands and all that stuff. I said, I don't know how to do any of that. I had absolutely zero confidence. I looked for a corner where I could kind of hide and just wait till my friends were finished, and it was the most miserable night, truly, of my life. I was so uncomfortable there. I didn't want anybody to come talk to me. I, I definitely didn't want any girls to come near me. And I just said, my gosh, what what should I do? Should I take dance cl- lessons or something? 
I mean, I said, I know if I go out there, everybody's going to laugh at me because I, 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 I must look just terrible dancing out there. But then I say, you know what, if I take dance classes, I bet you all the people inside that dance class, they're going to laugh at me and say, man, why are you taking this dance class? But anyways, I did it. I went to a dance class. I was going to school over there at UCLA, and they had this thing, okay, dance classes. And I went there, and there were both, you know, guys and girls there. And I said, hey, this is pretty good. I'm not the only one. And then when they started doing some of the warm-up exercises, and I see all the dance moves that these people were doing, I said, I have no idea why these people are in dance class. They all already know how to dance. So I just left. I ran out of that dance studio, and I just left. I said, I cannot do it. And, you know, as time went on, I was about 18, 19 years old at that time. I didn't realize there were a lot of things that were happening in college. They had ski trips. And all these people would say, hey, yeah, let's go skiing. Come on, Bill, let's sign up. It'll be a nice trip. Oh, no, you guys say, you know what? I don't know how to snow ski. What am I going to do if you guys are all going down the hill and I can't get down the hill? Hey, we'll, we'll help you down the hill. You'll learn. We'll teach you how to ski. I said, no, you guys, you guys go, man. You guys have a good time. I want to hear about it when you come back. But I just played it off like, no, I don't want to go. Same time, disco rollerblading became really popular. I don't know the name of the movie, but then pretty soon everybody started buying rollerblades. Going rollerblading up and down Santa Monica Beach. Hey, Bill, let's go. A whole bunch of us are going to go down there. These girls are going to meet us down there, too. Oh, no, 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 no. You know what? Hey, I can't I can't go, man. I got too much homework. Come on, it's the weekend. You could catch up tonight. No, no, no. I would missed out on that. I missed out on water skiing. There were just so many things all of these people in college were doing, and I missed out on all of it. And the reason I missed out on all of this fun, I realized, is because I did not have the confidence that I would be able to learn to do these things. I only wanted to participate in things that I was able to do, or I was able to do it really well. If they asked to go play basketball, sure, let's go. I played basketball all of my life. I played baseball all of my life. I played football all of my life. So anytime they want to do that, hey, you guys, let's go. I had confidence. But when they said, hey, 
let's go play tennis. Oh, no, I, I, I don't think that I want to go. I can't go out there and play my ankle sore. And pretty soon, it really became something that was hurting my friendships with my friends because, you know, they're kind enough to invite me, and I always always say no. So what I learned from this is that many times people do not have enough confidence. But confidence is something that can be developed in a very young child at a very young age. And I think that when there are children, especially young children, who might have a vision impairment, or they may be totally blind, or maybe they have seizures, or cerebral palsy, or any other kind of difficulty, the parents, the family members, Everybody around them, they say, oh, no, 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 she can't do that. Don't, don't, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that to her because she can't see very good, so she can't play with those toys. No, 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 don't, don't take her outside, don't take her outside, you guys. It's too bright out there, and she can't see very good, and the sun might damage her eyes. Or maybe that the other kids are starting to play soccer. And he wants to go out there and kick the soccer ball. And then the other kids say, no, no, you can't play with this because you got a vision problem. You can't see the ball, so you can't kick it. And so the kids hear all the time everybody telling them what they cannot do or they are told what they're bad at. No, no, you can't see well. No, you can't catch a ball well because you don't see well enough. You can't kick. No, 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 you can't try to ride the skateboard because you don't see good enough. You can't ride a bicycle. You don't see well enough. And I experience the same thing for myself as an adult. When I started to lose my vision and when I told friends and family I got this really rare eye disease and uh, I, I, might, I might go totally blind. But as people learned that I had this eye disease I heard so many times people saying, oh, no, 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 no. We can't, we can't take Bill and June because he can't see good enough and it might be too hard for him to walk into that restaurant. No, 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 we, we can't take them. Don't invite them to the movies because he can't see the movie. What's he going to do with the movie if he can't see it? Oh, no, no, no. Don't invite him to go swimming. Can't see. How's he going to find the swimming pool? 
I mean, it was every little thing that, you know, we would normally do. But everybody then suddenly thought that because I was losing vision, that suddenly, what? I forgot how to swim because I was losing vision? Or I forgot how to walk so I can't find my way to the dinner table? Or that, hey, you know, because I was losing vision, I can't hear what's going on in a movie? And it it really, really made me, in many ways, feel bad. Even though I knew I could perform many tasks and activities and things, the fact that everybody was saying, and I could hear it quietly, Oh, Bill, we can't do this. Bill can't do that. June's got to do everything for him. Look at his kids got to do everything for him. Look at, they're even serving him his own water. He can't get his own water to drink. And the fact that everybody thought that I could not do anything, it really hurt my self-confidence. It hurt my image. And even, you know, this holiday season, decorating the tree is a big deal, right? And my wife, she went down to Home Depot and she bought a nice tree and we had some people over that just randomly happened to be over. And my wife, she gets all the ornaments and the decorations to put up. And as we're starting to decorate the tree and I start grabbing some of these ornaments, some of our guests said, oh, no, no, here, here, Bill. Here, Bill, let me grab that. I'll put that up for you. Okay. And then so I grab another one for myself to put up. Oh, no, no, here. Somebody else is here, Bill. I'll grab that for you. And so as as we were decorating the tree and someone went and got me a cup of hot chocolate and they were all having a good time decorating, you know, and it, I was just thinking, it's actually easier for everybody else to say, hey, you know what, Bill? You're blind, so go sit over there. You're making it harder for us when you're trying to decorate it, too. So you just go sit over there and let us do it. And there's a lot of situations that that happens. You know, we might be having a barbecue And believe it or not, I do know how to barbecue. I just barbecue by time. I use a timer. But then we could have guests come over and just say, hey, Bill, I got it. Hey, it's just easier. Let let me take care of it. And why don't you go in the house and just relax? And the other men that are out there, they're out there having a good time, laughing, And they're cooking up the food, but they said to me, hey, just go in the house and relax. It's easier if you just let us do it. This is the point that I'm getting out here is that many times people will say things to your child or to an adult or anybody who is low vision or blind or has another type of difficulty, 
And they truly don't mean, they really don't mean to be hurting your child or to be mean. But when they say things like, we could do it, hey, you just sit down, let us take care of it, it will really affect your child's self-confidence. So if you have a child who is visually impaired or has any other kind of a weakness, it's very, very important to build their self-confidence early on, early on in life. Even when they're six months old, you begin talking to your child all the time. No matter what it is that you're doing, you talk to your child. Okay, let's come on over here and let's wash the dishes. You could help me wash the dishes. Let's turn on the water. And you could let your child push the knob so that the water goes on. Okay, let's fill the water to make certain that it's not too cold. And let your child feel it. It's cold, huh? Let's now start to make the water warmer. And then they can start to feel it get warmer. But this is how they learn language. They learn what warmer means, what colder means. Okay, let's get the soap bubbles. Let's put the soap in. And you can let your child put in the soap. And when the soap becomes all bubbly and it nice warm water, encourage your child. Say, you did it. You made the soapy water so we could do the dishes. Great job. Your child is going to feel so happy that he accomplished something. He doesn't really know that that's a major accomplishment, but because... You're saying that it's such an accomplishment, he'll be very, very happy. You could do the same thing if your child is helping you to set the table. Okay, let's put the napkins out. Daddy and Aiden will put the napkins out. Aiden, grab the napkins. Okay, let's put one here at this table. Let's put one here at this chamber. Let's put one over here. Good job. Now let's get the forks. Here's the forks. Grab the forks, Aiden. Now put one on top of this napkin. Put one on top of this napkin. And your child will be able to learn to do this whether or not he or she has any vision at all. You know, I am totally blind now. Totally blind. But you know what? I could set the table. I could barbecue the burgers. I could make the fish tacos. We all could learn to do these things even if we don't have vision. So for your child... I recommend that you talk to your child all the time, and whatever it is that you're doing, it doesn't matter, you let your child participate. Okay, Jamie, let's go ahead and let's wash the clothes. Let's get all the clothes 
here's all the dirty clothes. We have the dirty clothes in the clothes basket. Okay, let's take it over to the washing machine. Okay, now, you help me to put the soap in the washing machine. We're going to get this cup and put one cup of the detergent in the washing machine. Perfect. Okay, we're going to turn this knob, and now the water's going to go in. And now let's put the clothes in there. Perfect. Let's close the lid now. All right. And you hear how the washing machine is now making the noise? And that way, your child learns. He already knows how to wash dishes at the table and do laundry now. And when you praise your child, and you tell others, relatives, neighbors, yeah, my little boy who's only 12 months old, he was helping me to wash clothes today. Your kids need to hear that. And when they hear how proud you are that he or she has performed these tasks, he's going to gain self-confidence. She is going to gain self-confidence. And it's like the little boy I was telling you about who enjoys singing and dancing like Michael Jackson. He is always going to be willing and happy to perform in front of people because he gained that self-confidence that he can sing, he can dance, he can entertain in front of people. And he was never, ever embarrassed with that. So if your child has low vision, let's get your child involved in sports. We could let your child kick. You could buy a Nerf, you know, those foam rubber soccer balls. And he could kick it down the hallway in the house. That's fine kick it into that same clothes basket. That makes it the goal. You could get Nerf basketballs and you could put a hoop on the door and let them shoot baskets with it. You could get plastic golf balls and plastic golf clubs and let them go ahead and swing at these golf balls. Let her swing at it. And in that way, she's always going to know how to do this. And as she gets older, she's going to be willing to participate on these teams. Because we don't want our child to feel left out. Just because a child might have a slight vision problem doesn't mean that that child should not get to participate in the fun. We see kids all the time who have different types of vision problems. And they succeed. They succeed in life. We got one boy. He's got a pretty significant vision problem, and he loves baseball. And I told his dad, I'm going to make him a special pair of tinted sunglasses. 
And this will make it so that on the grass baseball field, you'll be able to see the ball much better. So these these glasses, you might have seen some professional baseball players with them. They're sort of the amber-orange color. I said, we're going to go ahead and we're going to let him be the catcher. And I told him, this is one of the most important positions on the whole team, but I want you to do it because you are really good. And we're going to give you this other equipment. We're going to put these shin guards on so if the ball hits you in the leg, it doesn't hurt. We're going to give you a chest protector so if the ball hits you in the chest, it doesn't hurt. And we're going to give you a mask so if the ball hits you in the head, it doesn't hurt. And I had him squat down in the catcher's position, and I said, okay, let me prove it to you. Okay, I'm going to throw a pitch at you, but don't try to catch it. So I threw the first pitch right at his leg, and it hit him in the shin guard. He goes, hey, that's cool. It didn't hurt at all. I said, okay, I'm going to throw another pitch. I threw it right at his chest. It hit him in the chest protector. Hey, that's cool. It didn't hurt at all. I said, okay, this one, I'm throwing it right at your face. And it hit him in the mask. And he just started laughing. He said, I love this. So we got him a catcher's glove, and we started working out with him. And this kid became a great catcher. So great that as he then got into high school, he made the varsity baseball team as a catcher his first year. And his parents later told me, that they never thought that he'd be able to play sports. When they heard that he had this vision problem, they thought he could never play. And they knew he loved baseball, but they didn't have the heart to tell him, no, you don't see well enough to play. And I'm glad they never said that because this kid had the confidence to play and he succeeded. We could do the same thing with our kids, too, by getting them into acting classes. There are classes where kids as young as four years old can take acting classes. As a matter of fact, I think in the coming weeks, there's a training session going on at the Odyssey Theater in West Los Angeles, and they're going to train any child under 17 to do acting. And later they'll be able to participate in plays and other types of dramas. But if you're able to get in front of people and act like that, or you're able to get up in front of people and sing and dance, if you're able to get up and actually give a speech These kids will be able to do anything. They will not be afraid when they have to go for an interview for a job. 
They're not going to be afraid to go up to a guy or a girl and ask him or her if they would like to dance. They won't be afraid to ask somebody to go out on a date because they will have experienced all of these types of activities so that they know how to do it. But if the parents do not encourage the child to do it, or if the parents do not praise the child after they did it, then these kids often do not have that overall self-confidence. And as parents, we got to remember, our child doesn't have to be perfect. You were not perfect. They are not perfect. So they can participate in these activities to the best of their ability, and that is what is called success. Many of you may know the great John Wooden, who is truly the greatest collegiate basketball coach of all time. One of his sayings was, success is not always about winning, but success is knowing that you have given it your very best. And that is definitely the truth. We want our kids to be confident and know that they have succeeded because they have tried their best. We do not want them to think that they're a failure because they didn't get it perfect. There are so many students out there nowadays because of the pressure put on them by their parents, that if they get a 95 on an examination, they feel that they have not succeeded. They believe that the only level of success is when you get it perfect. And that's crazy. We don't want our kids to be growing up that way where they feel everything they do has to be perfect, but we want them to know that they got to try their very, very best. So at this time, I'd like to open it up to some of you who are on the call, and if you could share who you are, and if you have some other ideas as to how we can help children to develop self-confidence. Hello, Dr. Bell? Yes, hi. Who is that? Hi, it's it's Patty. So yes, we have um, we have Braille challenges coming up in June, and that will be at USC. But we do have regionals coming up this February eighth, and that will be at Cal State Fullerton. Now, what is the Braille challenge for some of the people who may have just a very young child? You know, uh, what is the Braille challenge? So Braille Challenge, for those of you who don't know it is, we hold it annually, and it is um, nationwide. So we have participants from all the different states, and we have participants also from Canada, which is great. Uh Um, And what it is is that we, it's, I guess, similar to almost like a spelling bee in a sense. So these 
different children, different age groups, they have different challenges. And so they, there is a spelling portion where they are brailing. There is a portion on reading, so like comprehension. So they are reading um, different passages. And then there's questions. There is a math piece. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. And a speed reading. That is another wow. piece. Oh and so gosh. there's all these different competitions, and just like any other competition, the, the top children move on to the finals, oh, which are held at USC great. in June. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And, and uh, at the completion, do they get like a, a ribbon or a trophy or something like that? There are different prizes. I don't know what it will be this year, but, yes, they, they do get something. <laughs> I, I just don't remember what it was last year at this at this moment, Doctor Bill. Hey, that's but it's so really much fun. exciting to see them. It yeah, is. Be- we get to see the little ones, and you know they're so <clears throat> fast on their brailers. It's amazing. And then we get to see the teenagers because again, there's different categories, different age groups, and um, it's really great to see all of them out there, out at USC, and. Um, you know, the, these are children that are extremely independent and navigate themselves everywhere. And wow. just like you said, they they have all this self-confidence in the world. And oh, um, God, there's nothing great? holding them back. Yes, yes, that is great. That is great. Jeez. Hey, well, do any of you have any, any uh, suggestions of ways that, you have helped to develop confidence in your own child. Any of you therapists have any other suggestions of how we could develop confidence, self-confidence in these kids? Hi, Dr. Bill. It's Rosanna. Hey, Rosanna. Great. Thank you. I would I would say also um, letting your children know about their visual impairment and letting them explain also when they're asked, like, oh, you know, you have strangers asking, oh, what's wrong with your eyes? So if the child themselves is like, there's nothing wrong with my eyes, I just see differently because, and they're able to explain why they see differently, I think that um, shows a lot of confidence in the child that can explain their yeah. visual impairment. That's a really important point that you brought up there because there are so many times that with children and adults, they don't want to tell people what their vision problem is, and they actually will deny having a vision problem. Mm-hmm. You know, they are so embarrassed, and they don't want people to say, oh, well, you can't do this and you can't do that because you're blind, that they would never tell somebody. So how do you... How do you recommend that kids, say a five-year-old or four-year-old who's, you know, in kindergarten, how do you teach a child like that to talk about their their vision? I would say um, teaching your child what they have, even when they do go to an eye exam and they hear the doctor explaining to them, oh, I have nystagmus, that means shaking of my eyes. So if Mm. you explain that to your child, hey, yes, my my eyes look like they're dancing. I just see a little bit different than you, but I can, you know, I but I can do, I can still do things. I can still read, but maybe I just need a magnifier to help me. 
Oh, that's great. That is really good. And that is one thing. You know, there's a lot of kids who have vision problems and their eyes shake. That's called the nystagmus. So we could put it into a way where the kids will think they have something really special. Hey, how come you can't make your eyes shake? They could say that to the other kids, you know, so that they're they're actually proud of the fact that they have that skill, right? Yeah. Similarly, I think that these kids could also talk to other kids and show them Braille. They'll feel so proud that they know how to read and write Braille and the kids next door don't even know how to write one letter. And that's another way to build confidence. Thank you, Rosanna. That's really great. Does anybody else have any of the other suggestions? Dr. Bill, this is Patty again. Yeah, Patty, I go find, ahead. Yeah, I find that, um, and this is along with my, my own children, that when children get a little older, so school age, if they're included in the doctor's appointment, meaning, you know, sometimes the parents and the doctors get talk, to talking about the child's condition, but nothing ever directed to the child. So sometimes including oh. the child in that appointment, you know, like, does that child have questions or the doctor talking directly to the child, mm-hmm. you know, about what is going on, I find that gives that child a little bit more confidence in understanding their visual condition like Rosanna was talking about, or Susanna, I'm sorry, and, and asking and just learning to ask, you know, doctor, this is happening, or, you know, advocating for themselves in a sense at such yeah. a young age. Yeah. But really, I think, including them in those appointments. Oh, that is so good. Yes, all the kids do need to learn to advocate for themselves because a lot of times they're just quiet, and as they become teenagers, they're quiet, and as adults, they're quiet. And for their whole life, they go to a doctor's office and they never tell the doctor what is bothering them or what is their complaint. And many times the doctors don't even know what to look for because that person hasn't advocated for themselves. I also used to do this. When I was in practice and we would have, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of kids with low vision. So I would gather around 10 of those families and I said, hey, you guys, let's meet at the Chuck E. Cheese this Saturday you guys could all come there right around 12 o'clock, and I'm going to be there, and I want to talk to the kids. You guys are more than welcome to stay, but I'm going to talk to them about vision, and we're going to play games and have pizza, and everything's going to be on me. It was so helpful because it was the first time that these kids ever met other kids who had vision problems. Like for most children, when they go to school, they're not going to school with other kids who have vision problems. Or for many kids, their brothers and sisters don't have a vision problem. 
So it's good for them also to learn that there's other children just like them who have vision problems. And that helps them to realize that, hey, you know what, I'm not weird. There's a lot of other kids. These other friends of mine have vision problems. And then these kids start to make play dates with each other, and the parents become friends, and then we start talking to the parents. It's a good way for us to talk to the parents, because these parents often have so many questions and so much fear, so much anxiety. So we get together and have a barbecue, and the kids are playing together, and we'll talk with the parents and tell the parents, you don't need to bring up everything related to vision or blindness or something negative. Just let the kids go. Let the kids play. And you help them out. But some of these parents said, oh, my gosh, I always wanted my son to be a star pitcher. I wanted my daughter. I wanted her to go to med school. I said, there's no reason that your kids can't do any of these things. I just met a gentleman. Listen to this. This guy is in his 30s. He's totally blind. And he is one of the world's finest sculptors. He gets marble and other types of stone, chisels it, carves it, and he makes statues out of these things. Uh, He is just absolutely amazing. And I said, you know, there's so many people out there who have vision, and they don't come close to being able to make what he's able to make. And he does it all by feel. So this is just another example of showing that you don't have to have perfect vision to succeed and to do what it is that you want to do in life. Your kids can become and do whatever it is that they want to do. We may need to use some different equipment. We may need to learn some different techniques, but it is definitely something that they can do. So does anybody else have any other comments or any questions that you'd like to ask right now? You guys have been really a great, great audience. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, on behalf of Airs LA and Mr. Dick Burden, I want to thank you for being here and... Mr. Burden, want to thank you for recording this, and we'll send you a notice about our next lecture, which will be in one month. So thank you very much. Good night, everybody.